I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 25. If ye are not one, ye are not mine. Studying Doctrine and Covenants, sections 34 through 40. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. I feel like every time I go to record a podcast, I have to readjust my mic because my two-year-old comes in and is like, ooh, pretty, and touches all the things, and I have to come in here and like, wait, how does this thing go again? (laughs) You'd think doing this every week for 25 weeks already that I would know what I'm doing, but apparently not. Okay, so let's talk about the nature of God and the nature of Christ. Um, One of the things I loved in this section and all of the different in the sections and all of the different readings that the come follow me recommends in the come follow me itself is the fact that so much of it talks about how much god loves us um in the come follow me it references an experience of phoebe carter you have to if you're on your phone looking at the come follow me you have to scroll all the way down to the very bottom um if you're in your book it's like the very very last thing so she says Um, And I took this little bit out of her. She has like a long little bit. And this is the part I took out. She says, believing that all things will work for our good if we love God supremely. I go because my master calls. He has made my duty plain. And I just love that. This idea that God does everything out of love for us, out of the good for us. And I think about it a lot in terms of like parenting, right? A lot of times the things that I do for my children, they don't feel like love to my children because my children don't like standing in timeout. My children don't like being told they can't have ice cream for breakfast. They don't like being told that, no, we're not going to play outside when it's freezing with wind chill and, you know, like all these things that I'm like, no, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to protect you. No, you can't stick the fork in the light socket because you'll die. Like to them, I'm just a fun sucker. Right. And so sometimes for us, Heavenly Father's kind of a fun sucker. It's kind of what it feels like sometimes, but everything he does is for our good. So how do we know? And, or how, did, how does he know? Right? How does he know what's going to be for our good? What's going to be good for us? Well, because he and Christ are eternal beings and they see differently than us. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read Doctrine and Covenants section 38, verse 2. It says, The same which knoweth all things, for all things are present before mine eyes. Oh no, I thought I turned it off. I guess I didn't. That's okay. Um, all things are present before mine eyes. And I was trying to think of like, okay, what's a way I can explain this that everybody will understand? And my brain actually immediately turned to sports. Um, I, so you can pick literally any favorite sport you have where it's one team against one team and they're all playing on the field or the court or the pool or whatever it is together, right? This is a team versus team sport, something where there's ball involved or a hockey puck or whatever, right? Um, so think of your favorite team versus team sport. Mine is water polo, closely followed by soccer. Um, I played water polo in high school, played soccer in high school. So let's pretend we're in the water 
we're, we're playing water polo, we're in the pool as a player. Now we're limited by our perspective. We can only see what's directly in front of us and we're often distracted by the water, by the other players. Um, we can especially be overwhelmed by the other players coming after us if we have the ball or trying to block us or, you know, we don't always see a clear path. There's a lot, there's a lot of water in water polo, right? We can't always see a clear path, a clear path to the goal. Um, we don't always see what play the other team is in the process of setting up, but our coaches can see everything because they're not in the pool. Okay. The coaches aren't in the pool. They stand above the pool. They can stand over and they can look and see the entire pool. They can see all 14 players, both goals. They can see the refs. They can see all the things. They can see the ball and they can anticipate what's going to happen next because they can see everything. Now, Heavenly Father and Christ are like our coaches, except better because the average water polo coach is still human and he's still going to have issues. He's still going to have limitations because of his humanness. But Heavenly Father and Christ are divine beings. So they can see not only the outward physicality of every single player, but the inward heart and the inward emotions and the inward um, intentions of every single player, right? So let's continue with this analogy a little bit longer. So when I played in high school, I loved the game. I loved water polo, but I was awful. <laughs> I was so awful. It's the same thing with, with soccer, actually. I started playing water polo to become more aggressive for soccer, and I actually quit playing soccer so I could swim so I could be faster for water polo. But at the end of the day, I just am a terrible sports player because of one main reason. My instinct for self-preservation is stronger than my desire to make a goal. <laughs> Essentially, what that breaks down to is as soon as I get the ball, I fear for my life and I get rid of it as soon as physically possible. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about Ronald A. Rasband for a second. So he, um, in his talk, Be Not Troubled, it, from the October 2018 General Conference, um, he says... The Lord is with us, mindful of us, and blessing, blessing us in ways that only he can do. Prayer can call down the strength and revelation that we need to center our thoughts on Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice. The Lord knew that at times we would feel fear. I have been there, and so have you. Which is why the scriptures are replete with the Lord's counsel. Be of good cheer and do not fear. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. Fear not, little flock. I love the tenderness of little flock. Okay. So my thoughts on this were, on the one hand, I don't think fear is a bad thing. Okay. I think it's a very natural emotion. It's something we all have, right? As soon as I get the ball, I become terrified. Why? Because the girls on the other teams were bigger than me. They were stronger than me. And they had no problem swimming right over me. So naturally, I feared for my life. Um, just for the record, as far as I know, no one's actually ever died in a water polo game in high school. Maybe once you get to the bigger, bigger leagues, people start dying. Who knows? Okay. But fear is natural, right? It's, it's embedded into us. It's part of our biology. It's part of our brains. It's how we stay alive, right? We are scared of the outside. So we stay in the cave and then we don't get eaten by the saber toothed tiger and we live, right? But on the other hand, 
our human nature, our natural man, if you will, is something we're here to learn how to tame, something we're here to learn how to control without it allowing it to control us, right? We're here to bridle our emotions. And when I think of bridling our emotions, I think of a horse, okay? We're jumping analogies here for a second. When I think of bridling something, I think of a horse. Now, if you have a race horse, right? You have this horse and it's super fast, but it's wild. You don't stick it in the barn and just never use it, never touch it, never go anywhere near it, right? That's not bridling it. That's just not using it. You're wasting the capabilities and the capacity and the power that's there. On the other hand, you don't just jump on that horse and go because you're not going to ride the horse. It's going to take you for a wild ride and you might die, right? So you bridle the horse, you use it a little bit at a time, you learn how to use it, you learn how to work with it so you guys can work together so you control it, you can harness the power and do something really incredible with it. So fear, it can be overwhelming, it can be scary, right? Obviously it's fear, but it's very natural, so we don't need to fight it. But at the same time, we don't want to let it overwhelm us. And that's where Heavenly Father comes in. Heavenly Father asks us to have faith in him. Now, faith, I think, is not a natural instinct. It's not wired into our biology, right? You don't necessarily see faith in nature. You see fear in nature all over the place. But we don't necessarily see faith in nature. And faith requires trust in the unknown. And trust in the unknown is something our brains tell us is inherently dangerous, which is why we have to learn and develop a relationship with Heavenly Father, develop a relationship with Christ. Because even though we may not know what's going to happen, if we know Heavenly Father, if we know Christ, then we don't need to trust the unknown. We just need to trust them and trust that even though we don't know what's going to happen, they do. And everything that they do is going to be for our good even if we don't necessarily know or understand how it will be for our good. Okay. So moving on. Um, let's talk about the plan of salvation for a second. President Russell M. Nelson in a general conference talk in 2006, October, 2006. So this is before he is the, um, the prophet, my baby, is sleeping right behind me. It's very possible he's going to wake up at any second. So it's called the gathering of scattered Israel. Spiritual security will always depend upon how one lives, not where one lives. Saints in every land have equal claim upon the blessings of the Lord. Okay. I love this because I think a lot of times I fall into this trap. My entire youth... My entire, whoa, I just whacked the thing. Sorry. My entire childhood, I was a military brat. We moved all different places. And so I kind of developed this belief that the next place, the next place we move, that's going to be where I find happiness. That's going to be the cool place, right? We're going to get to go somewhere really fun. And we did. I mean, we lived in Hawaii for a good portion of that time, but we also lived in like Nebraska and no offense, you know, corn huskers, but, uh, Nebraska ain't no Hawaii. <laughs> um, but I will tell you that when I was in kindergarten and we were leaving Nebraska to move to Hawaii, I was mad about it. I was real mad about it. 
I even threatened to chain myself to the wall so we couldn't go. And my parents were like, are you crazy? We're trying to go to Hawaii. Weirdo. Um, and I was. I was a weirdo. But here's my point. There is no place that we can go that we're going to be happier or that we're going to be more blessed because Heavenly Father meets us where we are, right? Spiritual security is going to depend on how we live, not where we live. Um, now, obviously, in the case of some places in some countries, um, spiritual security is a lot easier in some places than in others. Um, but the point is that Heavenly Father meets us where we are and our spiritual security comes from our choices, right? He put our fate in our hands, but he gave us so much help. Um, but we have to reach for it. We have to ask for it. Um, you can check it out in Doctrine and Covenants section 38 verses 22 through 24 specifically. So let's talk about application. Here's what I caught. Here's what I got. Keep the commandments, right? Listen to and follow the counsel of our prophet. Um, all of our prophets, both the ones that have passed, our modern day prophets, our physical prophet right now on this earth today, President Russell M. Nelson. Um, and if we're, oh, and stand in holy places was the other thing I wrote down. So if we're doing all of these things, right, we're following all of the commandments, we're listening to what the prophet tells us to do, we're doing those things, we're doing our best to stand in holy places. That means creating holy places, creating our home as a holy place, going to church. Um, if you're able to go to like the physical building of church, if you're not, if you're still like quarantined and can't go to church at the church building, creating that space in your home for church. Um, and then temples, obviously a lot of us still can't go to the temple, but we do a drive by our temple every week. Um, Pocatello is getting a temple and they're building it. we got our angel Moroni who's on there. who's like a thousand pounds and 12 feet tall. Um, and he's so cool. And we drive by every week and we go and we look at the temple and we see how it's coming along. Um, and we haven't walked around the grounds mostly because it's cold and we have small children and they tend to like to run into the middle of roads and we don't want them to get run over, but we're still going. That's the point is we're doing the best that we can with what we have, right? So stand in your holy places. All of this is going to provide peace and aid in building your faith in God so that fear of the world is not going to feel quite as overwhelming. It's not going to feel quite as big and scary. And we might still feel overwhelmed. We might still feel fear. Actually, I can guarantee we will still feel overwhelmed and we will still feel fear. But we will be able to find that peace with God because our faith in him will be stronger. I was talking to my cousin um, a couple of days ago about uh, fear of like, what happens if we die, right? Like to our children, what happens to our children? And I was telling her, well, we've got a plan. You know, if our kids die or if our kids die, not if our kids die, <laughs> if I die, my husband dies, or we both die, what happens to the kids? Well, the kids will go to his brother. Um, we've getting life insurance, all these things, right? And doing these things and having these plans has really set my mind at ease. And she goes, yeah, but the thing that I'm struggling with is like emotionally, how do I deal with like my husband dying, right? Her husband didn't die, but it was just this hypothetical thing we started talking about. Um, and it was funny because I remember thinking like, well, 
I would be sad. I would be so sad. I would be so heartbroken if Jake died because there's all these experiences I still want to do with him um, that we haven't done yet. And if he died, we wouldn't get to ever do them in that way because I'd have to wait until we were both resurrected. Um, but in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, I know that we were married in, for eternity in the temple, that we're both doing the best that we can to live up to the covenants that we made in the temple so that we can be worthy of those blessings and receive them in their fullness. Um, and because of that, our children are sealed to us. And that gives me so much peace. I can't even explain it. Like to the point where I'm like, I'd be okay. It would be awful in the beginning. It'd be so hard. I would go through all the stages of grief. I'd be so angry, I'm sure. But I know at the end of it all, when I came out of the other side of the grief, the initial hard, hard grief, I know I would be okay. The underlying all that pain would be a sense of peace because I know that my family is forever. We've done everything that we can do. We're doing everything that we can do. And we're actively working and trying to continue to do the things we know we're supposed to be doing. And I can't explain how freeing it is to have that sense of peace and to have that knowledge that no matter what happens on this planet, it's going to be okay because Heavenly Father and Christ are in charge. And whatever happens to me on this planet is something that's going to be for my good, even if I can't see exactly how at that time. Um, and I leave you with this. And I will see you. Actually, I won't see you. I'll never see you. I hope I see you. Go talk to me on Instagram and I'll see you. Um, otherwise, I will talk to you next week.